In the world of recruiting, some people have seen it all. They built recruiting teams from the ground up, hired hundreds of people in the best companies in the world, developed their expertise year after year. I'm Robin Choi, and I'm on a mission to collect their learnings. These are their stories. Hello, everybody, and hello, Natalie. Hello. So I'm very happy to have you here with me today. We're in person in San Francisco. And we've been chatting for 45 minutes already uh, before we prepared the episode because we had some technical issues with the recording. So that will make a very, very interesting episode to uh, listen to because we did prepare. Um, so we already recorded our episode. Yeah, not recorded. <laughs> pretty much. I wish we recorded the, the uh, preparation discussion. So Natalie, you have a ton of experience in recruiting. You've had more than 20 years of experience, both as an agency and in-house recruiter. Uh, you led recruiting teams, teams of sourcers in different verticals, go to market, BizOps, tech. You've been head of talent for several tech companies as well in the, mm-hmm. in the Bay Area here. So you've seen a lot of stuff. And today you work as a fractional head of talent uh, for your company, which is called Talent Refinery. Mm-hmm. Today we'll be talking about your own journey uh, from in-house recruiter to fractional recruiter and the advice they can share. Especially as there have been a lot of layoffs in the industry, lots of people still struggling to find jobs and uh, wondering whether they should keep on searching for the same kind of jobs mm-hmm. they had before or just maybe change their search or maybe even exiting the industry altogether. Mm-hmm. And being a fractional recruiter can actually be a good solution both for recruiters and also for companies. So we'll discuss all this. Mm-hmm. I know that I missed several things in your introduction, so let me know what I forgot and then We'll move on to why we decided on that episode together. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for having me. So, yeah, I've been in the uh, recruiting industry for over 20 years, as you mentioned, agency and in-house, but I've worked for companies of all sizes. So, you know, the first head of talent for Series A, all the way up to a nationwide professional services company where we were hiring nationally, had a team of 30 recruiters. So I've seen a lot of different things stages, sizes, nuances, types of roles, etc. But I also have intentionally chose to chart a new path in a fractional career, which has allowed me a lot of flexibility, a lot of innovation as a professional in my discipline. But it also allowed me to find time to launch my passion project, which is Talent Collective. It's a nonprofit dedicated to the development of women in talent acquisition. Specifically, we launched first here in the Bay Area. But that is kind of in a nutshell what my very quick career journey has been and and where I live today, essentially, in my career. Cool. Uh, well, again, very honored and happy to have you over here today. And we also shared tips on social media. So uh, if people listen to that podcast, they probably already follow me. So uh-huh. recommend they follow you as well yes, on LinkedIn. Please. And that's Natalie Stones, N-A-T-A-L-I-E, and Stones like Stones. Yes. All right. So before we start, can you tell us exactly what you mean by fractional recruiter? What does it mm-hmm. mean for you? And is there just one type of fractional recruiters or are there maybe several types? And if there are several types, what mm-hmm. are they? Yeah, so fractional, just as a term in general, whether you're a fractional CFO, you're a fractional COO, fractional head of talent, the nuance of fractional means that you are an embedded 
long-term solution in a company, but you're operating in more of a part-time capacity. So for example, I support several clients, 10 hours a week, ongoing. One of my clients, I've been with him for a year and a half, and I'm paid on retainer. I support him up to 10 hours a week, and I'm also able to work with three other clients in the same capacity. But the key thing that most people get confused about with Fractional is it's not a consultant. It is not you just come in with the project scope. You're coming in to solve a problem that has a start and a finish and you're in and out maybe in a couple of months. Now, certainly some Fractionals do operate that way. I admittedly do also pick up those sorts of engagements. But the true meaning of fractional is you are a long-term, part-time embedded solution, just as many companies will hire embedded recruiters, right, to help scale up and scale down. This is a long-term interim solution when you're looking for uh, recruiting leadership to come in and fill those, those gaps. All right. So this is not exactly an RPO, for instance, where RPOs are more like... Correct transactional are you coming on board to hire those mm-hmm. people during the next three months and then we'll see yeah here is more longer term yeah if you were looking kind of at the whole lineage of outsourced recruiting functions there are staffing agencies right they're mm-hmm. very reactionary they work contingent and then there are embedded recruiting firms that will help you scale up and scale down your recruiting teams then there are freelance recruiters that kind of same thing. They will come in, work on delivering and, and hiring for a specific period of time or number of hires. And then there are recruiting consultants that tend to be a little bit more strategic in nature, but then still have kind of that project focus. Then you have fractional, which is I'm coming in. I am a full member of your team. You should not know any difference. It should feel like I am a full-time head of talent with you. But behind the scenes, the logistics are I am part-time and I am paid at a fraction of the cost, but I'm operating as your strategic and operating partner in a recruiting capacity. So I will work on everything strategy. I will work on the deliverables. I will manage a recruiting team. But You only need me in that seat for a specific number of hours because there just, in some cases, isn't always a need for a full-time 40-hour-a-week permanent head of talent. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And to your point also, the RPO, those are coming also on board, like you said, transactional to fill recruiting gaps, but it does have a very contractual type of arrangement with it with specific deliverables. This is, I'm hiring a head of talent, I just don't need somebody permanently. Okay. So you said that you yourself had four clients at the same time as it, right? Yeah, that's typically my cap. It gets okay. a little hairy after, yeah, after that. Imagine. <laughs> okay, so that would be what you would recommend, like getting... Anywhere from three to five. The other nuance about fractional is, for example, I have one client, I've been with him, he's an earlier stage startup, and I support him 10 hours a week now because it's kind of more in maintenance mode where I have a new client that needs me to come in and do an audit of the recruiting infrastructure. I also need to onboard a new recruiter. We're also going to be hiring, you know, on average 10 recs a month. So there's a lot more upfront. So that's a larger engagement. And I typically don't want to have more than one to two of those at a time because those require a lot more of, you know, getting ramped up and getting going. But then once you get in maintenance mode, you can be 
available to a few more clients in that capacity. It's a little bit more on demand or there's seasonalities in their business. And so that's how you're able to put together a portfolio of fractional clients when you're supporting them with recruiting. What's the engagement that you usually have with clients? Is that, So you're mentioning that number of 10 hours a week. Is this like you should work 10 hours a week? Do you log your hours? Like if we get into the technique, yeah, do, sure. <laughs> do you log hours or do you just say I'm available on Monday from this hour to this hour. Mm -hmm. And the other question that I had was, what's your commitment with them? Mm -hmm. uh, is that a quarter? Is that every year? Like, how do you work with the Yeah, the contract. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So one client really prefers hourly. That's fine. I will do that. But more often than not, fractionals prefer to operate in a retained capacity because we are really, truly operating very much just like your full-time employees would. We're there. We show up for the meetings. To your question, we're available all day. It's not a, I'm working on this client engagement from nine to 11 and the next client from one to three. It's, I'm available. I'm your full-time go-to person. Just as you would leverage your, let's say your fractional general counsel or your fractional CFO. They're there when you need them. They're not just only available to you from nine to 11. So I prefer to be in a retained capacity so that they always know I'm available on demand and I'm treated very much like a committed employee, a part of their organization. But there are some that prefer to operate in billable hours, which is fine. But typically the engagements are anywhere from 10 to 20 hours a week. And that allows me to really have enough availability for those three to five clients at a time. There might be those maintenance clients where I'm just supporting them maybe three to five hours a week on demand. They just have calls, questions, or it's a very small little thing that I need to take care of. And then the others, that allows me more time to support them, you know, more 15 to 20 hours a week because we're ramping up or we're working on a big initiative type of thing. Okay, nice. And what kind of reports do you send to them? Like, do you share a report? Like, and again, that's very getting into the nitty gritty, but like, uh, do you send a report every week? It depends on the scope of the engagement or the stage of where we are. If it is a situation where we are more in the ramp up onboarding, yes, I will give them a updated report on kind of the roadmap. If we are putting an SLA in place, you know, where are we tracking towards some of the deliverables, the expectations. But if it's a client that's in maintenance mode, typically not and or the scope of any kind of data and analytics will be housed within their ATS or their CRM if it's within the confines of like actual recruiting and hiring. Okay. Um, the super interesting thing. So I can yeah. on this. So not only are you yourself a fractional head of talent, but you also help recruiters become fractional head of talents or recruiters. When do you think it's a good option for people to consider? And how do we get started? What's the advice that you usually give to people that come to you for the first time and say, okay, I'm interesting what you do. I've been following your content. I think that could be a solution for me or an interesting alternative for me. How do they get started? What's your advice? Mm -hmm. I think I'll answer that with kind of my journey. How did I end up becoming fractional and how it became such an awesome opportunity for me in my stage of life? In these past three years, I was laid off twice, both in head of roles. It made sense. There was COVID. There was the economy. There was this, that and the other up and down. And I had also recently become a single parent and needed more flexibility But I didn't want to let my skills get stale or wait until there was hiring of recruiters and heads of talent again. 
I wanted to stay relevant. I wanted to be working. And so I did research on how do I kind of create an opportunity to grab some client work. I just kept it as simple as that. And so I landed on this idea of fractional and I ended up in several fractional communities. And I decided it was the best route for me because especially in this market, not everybody needs recruiters right now or they're laying off their recruiters. It's every day. It's really sad. But there are opportunities where talent acquisition professionals can leverage their recruiting skill sets in other ways to stay relevant, to help fill gaps within companies. And they can do it by supporting a portfolio of companies at a time while still allowing you the opportunity to have flexibility, run your own business. And I think the best part of it that I find is I'm learning a lot more faster because I'm working with different companies that are all in different stages or have different needs or different nuances. So I think the best time for a recruiter to consider something like this is now, no pun intended. There aren't a lot of recruiter jobs out there. But how can you remain relevant and transfer those skill sets? So what I did for myself was I looked, I wrote down on paper, what are all the things I know as a strategic head of talent? What are all the things I know as a IC recruiter? What are all the things that I learned as an agency recruiter? What are some of those recruiting ops things that I learned along the way in terms of employer branding and recruitment marketing and implementing an ATS system or onboarding a candidate engagement CRM? And how could I turn those things into fractional engagements? So then I just started pitching myself, reaching out within my network, asking for referrals and making it clear on the ways that I can support a company in a recruiting capacity and just showed all the things that I was capable of doing, as simple as that. So I think now is a great time <laughs> for recruiters to really be able to take inventory of their phenomenal skill sets and try to find ways to turn that into becoming a fractional employee. Whether you want to actually like start your own business like I did with Talent Refinery or not, there are ways for you to be a fractional and still remain successful as a recruiter and not wait for the wave of recruiter hiring to happen again. So as a fractional recruiter, you learn more. You have more flexibility as well. You can just change the number of clients and just play with this. Mm -hmm. You surprisingly have more security as well, because if one of your clients stops mm -hmm. hiring, then you just lose 20% of your revenue compared to like 100% if you're, mm -hmm. you're full-time. I guess you also paid more on an hour basis. Is that the case? Potentially, or? yeah. Okay. But you're also sometimes quoting a little bit higher because you're an independent contractor. So mm -hmm. you want to be mindful of covering your own taxes and you have all your yeah. overhead expenses and tools, et cetera. So it's not always net <laughs> yeah. in your pocket. But yeah, to your point, it's somewhat similar to agency recruiting in that you never want to put all your eggs in that one mm -hmm. big like VMS client that you have or your MSP client because they could go away any day. But the beauty is you have a variety of clients that you're working with. The only difference here from agency is I'm not working contingent. I don't work for free. I charge and I get paid for my time and I operate like an in-house corporate recruiter, but I support a variety of clients at a time so that there's always security in my income. There's always career development going on within my profession. And I'm evolving so much quicker and I'm making so many more connections faster. It's really a beautiful thing. And I'm flexible, right? Like I can start work when I want. 
So it seems like the perfect solution. What's the catch or what's the thing that makes it actually difficult? Yeah, it definitely isn't always rainbows over here. So I come from agency, so I'm used to having the sales side mm -hmm. of my recruiter job. But not every recruiter grows up in staffing agencies and gets trained that way or they didn't work a blended desk in an agency life. They just did the candidate side. So the biggest thing to pause and think about if you're going to consider fractional recruiting is, are you going to want to do the business development? Are you okay with sales and marketing and branding yourself and really having a digital presence? Are you comfortable cultivating your network and really putting yourself out there that, hey, this is what I'm doing now? Do you have any introductions? Or if you hear of anybody, like it's really putting yourself out there. You have to maintain cold business development. There's ways to, you know, automate that and, you know, make it very efficient with tools and whatnot. But at the crux of it, you have to also be a salesperson, whether you're good at it or comfortable with it. At the end of the day, you have to do sales and business development to make sure that you're always having a pipeline for your next possible opportunities. Because like you said, one of those clients could go away at any day. And so who's going to be your next client? Okay, so business development, mm -hmm. uh, very important. And that's also one of the big thing, right? It can be better, but it, it is if you manage to sign clients, you could get more clients. And if you don't, then it's worse. Yeah. Yeah. Then what are you going to be working on? Yeah. You, yeah. What's the top advice that you give to people that come to you and say, I mm -hmm. want to become a factional recruiter, but I have no clients? So mm -hmm. first, I would say that that's probably not a good situation to be in because you probably need to have at least a few clients from your own network. Yeah. Back to something you said earlier, you mentioned fractional communities. Can you name a few? Like what would be the good places to hang out? Mm -hmm. So the biggest one that I'm a part of is Fractionals United. It's a free Slack community. The founder, her name is Karina, and she welcomes any fractionals or she also says wannabe fractionals into that community. It's a wealth of resources. There's different Slack channels based on your discipline. So there is one in there for HR and recruiters. Another one is Fractional Connections. The founder of that one is Nancy. And then there's other smaller ones that are, you know, through other companies that are trying to just have kind of fractional peer group type okay. meetups. So the number one thing would probably be, I'm stealing the answer, <laughs> but like, <laughs> no. uh, business development, the, the one thing that I would recommend to mm -hmm. anyone doing business development is like business development 101 is just first step into your network, yes. right? Mm -hmm. Is there any specific way to do it, like any smarter way to do it or any ways not mm -hmm. to do it, not to like burn your network? Yeah, I think the top things that I do to maintain my sales and marketing funnel is, number one, I book five to seven virtual coffee connects or in-person coffee connects with other fractionals. I specifically also am very targeted to partner with other fractional HR professionals And they may not necessarily need to be fractional, but HR consultants that are in a tertiary discipline to me because HR professionals, if they happen to be going in as a fractional or in a consulting basis, they're probably going to hear about something recruiting related and they're the best brand ambassador for you. So I, I make an effort to do that. I've gotten several referrals of clients from doing that exercise. I've leveraged my VC connections, my private equity connections, and more of that is just like, Hey, I'm here. This is what I offer. If any of your portfolio companies happen to mention needing some sort of recruiting support, light recruiting support, here's how I can be available. It's actually how I found my first fractional client 
was one of the talent partners at a VC firm, posted my information in a VC Slack group. And he found me, the founder found me and reached out. And it's been the best thing ever since. Other things that I do are cold business development. So I use, you know, sales enablement platforms like Apollo and HubSpot to really automate my cold business development, my marketing automation, manage, you know, my conversations, et cetera. And then I really try to stay relevant with my thought leadership. I want people to see me online and any digital presence that I actually know what I'm doing when I talk about. I don't just post on social or write blogs just hoping someone will be like, oh, let me hire her. But I want them to actually land on my LinkedIn or land on my website and see that, oh, she actually knows what she's talking about when it comes to employer branding or workforce planning or so on and so forth. So I try to really stay active with that. And that is another challenge for some fractionals that I have coached in the past is they're not comfortable or they admittedly say, I'm not creative enough to think of the content. And so I go through that exercise with them to help get them comfortable with that. But those are the main things that I personally do for myself that I have then kind of repurposed into helping other fractional recruiters, or I also have done with other fractional disciplines on how to essentially prepare themselves for the sales side of the fractional business. Yeah, social media. That's uh, So if you're listening to this and you're, you don't feel comfortable, you should listen to one of our previous episodes with, on A-Players with Joel Lalji on social media for recruiters. That's one of our um, my favorite episodes because it makes it very like, um, as you say, you just need four clients. So even if you make a LinkedIn post and you get, I don't know, 100 views, which is a very, very small number on, on LinkedIn, but these are highly qualified views because your post was quality that you, yeah, that you, there are some interesting insights, then there is 100 people that are more likely to hire you. And then again, you just need four of them and mostly you already have a one or two. So um, yeah. I like that idea of just uh, using social media not to generate leads. And that's also something that we discuss, both of us. We do a lot of social media. Yeah. <laughs> it's not so much generating leads than just reassuring people about mm -hmm. the knowledge of the market and the expertise and just yes. making sure that you'll be in the right hands. I do it more to build my credibility mm -hmm. so that people are actually able to be validated that, okay, who's this Natalie fractional head of talent person? Why should I consider even having a conversation with her? And they land on my stuff and they see, okay, seems like she knows a couple of things. So maybe I should have a conversation or refer her to so-and-so or, or whatnot. So it's about building my my credibility. Yeah. And the word of mouth is all super important. Yes. As you said, you get one of your first clients from a post uh, about yes. in a Slack channel, something that's like some people called the dark social. So those videos <laughs> are social medias that are not public. Uh -huh. uh, so you get those channels. Any advice on how to generate word of mouth? And like, uh, yeah, put fuel on the fire already existing because obviously people need to know you and know you about your expertise. But how do you fuel this? Yeah, that's been an area I'm still exploring. I think part of my fractional journey has been just trying to figure out what works and where to spend your time. Having those meetings, Zoom meetups, coffee connects with other fractionals has been the best word of mouth for me specifically the fractional COOs and uh, mm. any fractionals that are in HR. Yeah, that's a good point because, uh, yeah, initially I was thinking of other fractional recruiters and could understand our head of talents. We could understand how you could refer clients to, to each other, mm -hmm. but that could be also people 
working in different yeah. in a tertiary discipline to you. It would just be the same as, you know, sales and marketing, right? They kind of go hand in hand. You kind of need one to have the other. I see it the same way with HR and recruiting. So I really leveraged uh, HR professionals as my brand ambassadors. But I'd say, yeah, also joining those fractional groups because you can highlight your expertise there. Sometimes you're able to do workshops and seminars and other people come and learn more about your discipline. And then when they're working with their fractional clients, they'll remember Natalie is that recruiter lady and they make introductions that way. And yeah, any other groups and not to plug my uh, nonprofit too much, but that has been really great as well because it's specifically a community of female professionals in talent acquisition and their in-house, their agency, and they have been phenomenal in helping recommend me as someone that a company should have a conversation with if they're trying to fill in any TA leadership gaps. And it's called the Talent Collective. Talent Collective, yes. And we'll, uh, we'll obviously add the link to the description of this. <laughs> okay, and then also I wouldn't be doing a very good job as a CEO if I didn't remind people listening to us that you can also use Hire Suites to manage the outbound for candidates. So you said that you used Apollo and HubSpot, both mm-hmm. very good software, and mm-hmm. you can also do this in Hire Suites. So just yes. people that are listening to us so they know. What's the error that you see most people do when they start to be fractional recruiters or execs, what's the number one error that you see people do? They aren't clear on what their services or expertise is. They start out too general. And I made the same error. I titled myself fractional recruiter. Okay, well, what does that mean? What Mm -hmm. level, what type of recruiting? I'm admittedly not a technical recruiter. I've managed some phenomenal technical recruiters in my career, but I'm not a technical recruiter. So I was attracting conversations that weren't always in line with my scope of expertise or at the level of engagements that I was hoping to work on. And so one, getting really clear on what your actual offering is going to be as a fractional. Are you going to do IC recruiting? Do you want to just do project-based work like auditing their recruiting operation and helping make recommendations and just handing that over? Are you going to help them with ATS audits or ATS implementations? Are you going to want to manage their team of recruiters or are you open to doing all of that? And so getting really clear on what it is that you're capable, qualified and interested in doing within your fractional scope is number one. Number two is if you're not down for the sales, <laughs> then forget it. Forget it. Because otherwise, if you're not willing to do the sales, you're still going to be sitting there just like you're sitting there now, job searching and waiting for those next full-time opportunities. So it won't feel any different because opportunities aren't going to just come your way all the time. So I'd say those two things. Oh, and the third is how to price yourself. I think a lot of fractionals go in under pricing their value because they're just trying to grab and get clients. And then they end up getting too many clients because they're all willing to pay them a low number and then it's not a, it's too much to manage. And so really staying true to like, what's your value? What would you have asked for in an annual salary? Don't undercut yourself just because you're fractional and you're diversifying your income. Make sure you're asking for the level of compensation based on your expertise. You don't have to undercut just because you're fractional. What's a good way to price yourself? So, um, like, uh, what's the, I say you paid 10 per hour as a full-time mm-hmm. internal uh, person. 
how much should you charge? Should you charge 10 per hour? Should you charge 20, like five or mm-hmm. obviously not five, I guess. But uh. yeah. <laughs> So I'm happy to share how I kind of price. So I have kind of three tiers. So up to 10 hours a week where I'm committed to that client up to 10 hours a week. They basically have me available, so to speak, up to 10 hours a week. I charge anywhere from five to 8,000 a month. That's my retainer. Okay. If it's up to 20 hours a week, then it's anywhere from eight to 12,000, depending on the scope of the work. And then my last tier is they want me almost as a full-time person, like 30 hours plus, then you're really looking at like 12,000 plus a month. I don't think that my retainers are too far out of the realm of what a, let's just say a Bay Area or New York head of talent annual salary would be. I try to keep it in line with that while also covering my costs, like I said, to run my business, cover my own taxes, because in a fractional capacity, you are an independent contractor. So you're paying your own taxes. You have to have your own benefits. You're paying for all your own tools. The company doesn't have to cover any of that yeah. for you. That's one of the other benefits to the employer for yeah. considering this. So, All right. So would it be all right to say like maybe 120% or 30% of what you would price as a as a full-time employee? Would that be about right? Or at least like take the annual salary, add the taxes, any yeah. fixed costs? And... Yes. Yeah. That seems about right. That's not like three times as much. No, not at all. No, no, no. Not even 150%. I typically try to add a buffer of about 30% to my baseline rate to cover my taxes and expenses so that anything I walk away from there is my net profit after operating expenses, et cetera. Okay. Pretty clear. Thanks a lot for sharing all this and thanks for the transparency. What's the, uh, before we part, is there any final thing that you didn't say today that you think like uh, one advice that you've seen people really enjoy or something that you uncovered yourself, didn't expect, but uncovered this, uh, anything else you want to share with us? The fractional journey is amazing and it gives the employee so much freedom and flexibility at such a different pace of life. I've never been happier in my career than I am now. Now, granted, I don't always make as much every single month as I did as a full-time employee, but I also wasn't as happy. Mm -hmm. And so this creates such a lifestyle that can work for so many people, so many people, other fractionals that I've had conversations with, we all walk away saying the same thing. Like our lives just feel great and we're elevating faster because we're working with so many different clients and we're really given a lot of creative control because they're hiring us for our senior level expertise and they see us for our value, but understand the benefit of not necessarily needing us full time. And so they're in support of us having other clients. So that's probably the biggest kind of takeaway is the beauty of what a fractional journey could be. And on the employer side, the benefit of fractional is really functional and you can see it very similar to like talent as a service, right? It's on demand. You scale up, you scale down, you hire somebody. If you just need a fractional for more of a strategic advisory type of arrangement, if you need them as more of um, an interim solution, it's very flexible and amenable and you're paying a fraction of the cost. So 
it's really a win-win. And I just hope that it evolves more where more people start to understand it quicker. Cool. Well, that, that conversation is a good step in that direction, Lisa. We'll keep on uh, sharing this. Yeah. Uh, thanks a lot for joining today, Natalie. And we'll share your LinkedIn profile and all the links that we mentioned in the podcast description as well. Okay. Thank you so much for having me. Hey there, this is Robin. Most of our listeners come from word of mouth. So thanks a lot for your support. And if you enjoy the players, please keep on sharing it with your team and friends. Stay tuned for the next episode. And if you can't wait, follow me on LinkedIn for more content on recruiting. Talk to you next week.